Hour two, it's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And, of course, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. If you've missed any of our coverage from earlier in the week at the Indianapolis Scouting Combine, make sure you go back and listen to all the interviews in the Hoffman Show podcast feed or, of course, check them out on demand on YouTube at the Team 980 or on my page at Craig Hoffman back in DC for the Friday show. But before I left Indianapolis yesterday, I had the chance to talk to NFL Network insider Tom Pelissero. Uh, of course, NFL Network has live coverage of the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine. Uh, all the way through Sunday, coverage starts at 3 p.m. Eastern today, 1 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. And Tom will be a part of that coverage. And uh, the the substance of that discussion is today's not my beat today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there you are looking live this just in not my beat tom eyes on washington uh in this draft uh, any any uh, rumors any any anything like as you guys talk about this draft and like the insiders on nfl network etc like how much of it is Chicago? How much of it is Washington? Like who who do, who does the league see as like the team in control of this draft? Well, it's Chicago because they, they own the number one pick because Ryan Poles has shown that he's willing to be aggressive and make moves. He, you know, he traded out a number one last year. They I believe that the Bears have a pretty good idea internally what direction they want to go, and there are a lot of reasons to believe that that would be drafting Caleb Williams and ultimately trading Justin Fields. You think about it from who they hired as the offensive coordinator in Shane Waldron. It's probably a pretty similar offensive philosophy to what you had with Luke Getze. With Caleb Williams, this is probably the style of offense that he would be best suited in, whereas Justin Fields may not be as well suited uh, to that style of offense. You look at just the resource management. If you keep Justin Fields as your starter in year four, now you're basically in a position where you need to pay him. Plus, at this point, you've already spent two months dancing with other girls here, and you're now going right. to go back to him would be a little bit rough. But also, you reset your cap. You reset your resource allocation when you draft a guy on a rookie contract who you're going to have at a low number for several years. Having said that, the Bears have never met Caleb Williams. Not, you know, the top guys. The area scouts may have come across him at various points and whatnot, but, like, for... Kevin Poles Warren and, and yeah. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and Shane Waldron. The 15-minute interview that I believe they had last night was like the first time that they really got a chance to get to know a guy who is doing this entire pre-draft process differently. He's, he's the first, what I would call the NIL babies, the guys who are multimillionaires in college. They've basically been professional athletes already for several years. They're used to doing deals. They have brands. They have business sense. And I think generationally, there's something about young people, you know, how old are you? I'm 34. Okay, I'm 42, I think. Yeah, yeah 42. I'm, I'm definitely 34, I think. My birthday was like last week, and I was like, wait, what number was that? Right, so you're closer yeah. to me than you are to them. Yes. I know, like, I've got nine- and seven-year-old kids, and the way that their brains work is just different about everything. And I think that naturally, again, generationally, it's part of it, but also when you've been a professional athlete before, you're asked why a lot. You know, Caleb Williams' dad, Carl, has been a long time, like, disruptor as an entrepreneur and a business person. He was guiding Caleb through a lot of his, you know, young days and, and coming up through the quarterback camps and whatnot. And so Caleb is just, you know, I think that the way that they're looking at it, and Caleb hasn't talked 
you know, here. That'll be tomorrow at the podium. I'm hoping to get a chance to catch up with it as well. But it seems like the philosophy toward, for instance, not doing the medical, which no longtime NFL scout remembers anybody right. skipping not, out, not, not including the COVID one, year. Not working out is one thing. Medical. Right. Quarterbacks yeah. every year, it's, it's hit and miss with the first-round guys. They might throw, they might not. But everybody does the medical. From Kayla's perspective, it's, well, it's either the Bears or one of a couple of teams that would trade up with the Bears. Why am I going to give my private medical data to all 32 teams? Some of the old school scouts and executives I've talked to, when I told them, because I found this out like a week or so ago, when I told them Caleb's not doing the medical, I got responses like, well, what's he hiding? And I don't think he's hiding anything, but it makes them question it. Right. It's a longtime scouting phrase, which is it's easier to explain a bad score than an empty box. In other words, if you're a wide receiver and you run 4-6 and you were supposed to run 4-5, you can say, well, you know, his hamstrings were tight, it was a slow track, he wasn't training for it, he was sick. An empty box is, why is it an empty box? Is he slow? We don't know. You're leaving more of the unknowns. He also doesn't have an agent, so he, he doesn't really have football background people around him. Um, you know, he's got Judy Smith, who he's worked with for a long time, who's like a D.C. crisis communications person instead of a traditional publicist. It's just there's a lot of different things, and so you want to spend time around him. The commanders also interviewed him. The Patriots interviewed him. You know, Then you go down the list. Some of those teams maybe could be the trade-up teams, the Giants, the Vikings, the Raiders. The Jets interviewed him as well, probably just to gather information for you know down the line if somehow uh, he became available, all of which is a, a long way of answering the question, which I don't even remember at this point. But basically... You know, the Bears are in control of the yeah. draft here, but it makes sense for them to gather all the data points that they can, explore everything, have conversations with other teams. Is there an offer out there that can completely knock their socks off and they would be willing to consider it for the number one pick? I think, again, another reason that it's hard to believe they move off it is you have a GM and a head coach in year three. Usually the three, the year three guys are either going to get extended or get fired. And that's, I don't mean to be crass about it, but like that's just sure. the reality of the NFL. You enter year three, a lot of times it's a make-or-break type year. If you don't draft the quarterback, if you go back in with Justin Fields again, you're not buying yourself additional time like you would with a rookie quarterback. Can the commanders come up with the type of an offer that could allow them to get to number one? I would anticipate they at least try, that they at least have the conversation. So you, you would, I mean, it's one thing to have the conversation internally. It's another thing to call Chicago and be like, hey. But with the, the way that Peters. You? Why not? I think that if you're Peters and you have a long-term vision of building through the draft, then, like, obviously more draft capital is, is what you want. Then again, if you think Caleb is that guy, there's right. there's no price you wouldn't pay. Right, or just explore it. It's not, you know, it's not like your fantasy league where, like, you, you set it and you pick a couple guys. You say, here, here's the offer. It's more so like, hey, all right. Like, what would it take? What, yeah. what, what are we talking about? Until you about call here? it into the league, you can always pull it back. Exactly. Like, you're Fair just, you're, you yeah. know, it's not even like a negotiation. It's a, right. Initially, it's a conversation. Right. Negotiation's a different thing where you're actually exchanging proposals. I would anticipate a lot of teams at least are pulling Ryan aside, being like, all right, what are the odds? Can, right. we, can, we, can you move? Right. Would What's you move? The price? What would it be? What would right. it take? And Ryan probably doesn't give him a direct answer. Right. You know, eventually you want to make your offer. Um, I, again, I think it's hard to believe that they move off that pick, but. There's a lot of things that are hard to believe that happen in the NFL every year, so never say never. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, Tom Pelissero, NFL Network Insider, with us here on the Hoffman Show. Um, I'm going to try to ask you this question in a way that you can answer it easily, um, but the commanders for years have been a very leaky organization. Um, you are you're like, yeah, you could say that. Um, various various regimes worth of leaky leakiness. Uh, with this 
new regime now, and obviously it is not very old. Like, how is the kind of as an insider, the information gathering about this team? You think of the coach hiring process, the GM hiring process. How is it different than maybe covering them as a national insider in years past? I mean, I don't think that, you know, the information flow thing, I know it's like a common question and it is interesting. Yeah. I think our, our fans care about it a lot. So With everybody, I think um, every team does things differently and you just figure out how every organization is going to operate. And then you, you base it off that. There's some right. organizations that are going to be helpful. There's some that are absolutely not going to be helpful. And you find different ways to, to get at things. I mean, there's certainly careful about how I choose these words. There's certainly some coordination in terms of certain information goes to certain people mm -hmm. and you can see that and Josh Harris's name is very front and center a lot Bob Meyer's name is very front and center a lot you probably hear more about Josh Harris and what he's doing than what Adam Peters is doing right now which I find interesting I think that part of that is combating the Dan Snyder hangover and everybody just wanting to see at all turns that you've got a guy who's not on his yacht during the pre-draft process, that he's actually here in Indianapolis going through it. There's also the fine line between is Josh Harris going to be in every meeting forever? Is right. he going to be like some of the owners that want to have a, a meeting the day after the game and talk at length when the coaches just want to move on and game plan? And I don't know the answer to that question. But right now, these are obviously massive organizational decisions. When you're drafting a quarterback potentially at number two or trying to get up to number one, Josh Harris is going to have to sign off on that as well. So it does make sense for him to be part of the information gathering process. But him being in quarterback interviews and stuff, I think it's fair to say that that's a um, that is an exception to the rule. Interesting. All right, last thing for you, real quick, because I know you got a million of these and you got to run. Uh, but you mentioned uh, in in our first discussion about Caleb, the agent side of this, and, and kind of the who works out, who doesn't, who does medicals, who doesn't, and that empty box theory. Um, one of the things that I've talked about with some folks this week in terms of the agent side of it is that they don't want their guys doing anything that could hurt them. Are you seeing a, a conflict there between teams that don't want that empty box and agents that go like, hey, my guy's hamstring's tight. I'm just not going to run him because that's going to hurt his stock. Well, I mean, again, if you don't run, if you never run, the assumption that a lot of people are going to make, they're going to compare it to the tape, obviously, but they're going to go, I bet he's not as fast He's not, not going to time well. He might be a faster play speed, but that number's going to drag him down. It's exactly that. That's why you know 98% of these guys do everything. Right. Now, they really do. Like Unless you have an injury, like a legit injury, most of the guys go out there and, and participate in everything. For you know quarterbacks in particular, more and more of the quarterbacks, for instance, are not running the 40 now because right. they don't want to end up looking like Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes <laughs> tweeted last night about like, hey, please, NFL Network, stop using the Patrick Mahomes 40-yard dash overlay. You know, when they do like the comparisons yeah. of like this year's quarterback. I'm tired of racing Rich Eisen. Right, exactly. Like, don't don't <laughs> keep using me. Right. Like, you know, Pat wasn't going to – he wasn't going to blow it away, but he decided to do it. Lamar never ran a 40. Um, I don't know that Stroud ever ran a 40. Plenty of guys, yeah. like, just don't – don't do it. And some of that's driven by what the agents decide to do. Some of it's driven by the players themselves. Most guys come and compete. But you've also got, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is not going to do anything here. Three of the top quarterbacks are not throwing here. This is might be a generational thing. It also might just be a reflection of, you know, what do they do in other sports? Top NBA draft picks don't work out. They don't do the medical. If you're guaranteed to be a top three pick, you just don't do any of it. Why? Because nothing you can do is going right. to really help you at this point because you're going to get drafted up there. But, I'd rather have you think right. I might run a 4-6 than I actually ran the 4-6. Right. I mean, think of it as... Uh, I, mean, I personally would love to run a 4-6, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> think of it as like one half of a bell curve, right? Right. There's 
bell curve, for people who don't know, is like this. Right. So if you take half of it, here's the players that are guaranteed to be top five picks. It's like a right. couple of guys. Right. Then the guaranteed first round is a little bigger. Then everybody else is like clumped in here where they could rise or they could fall. Everybody's going to try to rise. If you think you're going to be a third-round pick, you don't not do stuff out here. You come out, show that you're willing to compete, and maybe you can help yourself through the process. No doubt. All right, Tom Pelissero, uh, the Insiders, and much more on NFL Network. He's all over all of their coverage all weekend long here in Indianapolis. Tom, thank you so much, sir, sir and hopefully we'll be talking uh, as we get closer to the draft and more wacky stuff happens. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You got it. Again, Tom Pelissero with us here on the Hoffman Show. Great to catch up with him yesterday in Indianapolis. Got a couple more conversations still to go from Indy. Uh, my guy Q Myers, who hosts nationally on ESPN Radio, but locally in Las Vegas, on whether the Raiders might wind up trading up and is Washington one of the places they'd want to trade to and, and who are they targeting. All of that still to come. Top of the next hour, we will have Andrew Siciliano on the show. Uh, I sat down with Andrew uh, earlier in the week at the Combine in Indianapolis on Radio Row had a really great discussion about the state of the commanders, the Reston, Virginia native, uh, joining me as he does every year in Indy. That's coming up at 6 o'clock, but we'll react to what Pelissero said next here on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Got more NFL salary cap news uh, in a moment. Uh, and we'll talk to Dave Johnson on a Wizards game day coming up at the bottom of the hour. But I just saw this come in, and uh, the NCAA football rules committee. So there's like rules committees, obviously, in the NFL, considering a whole bunch of stuff right now with the ban, the hip chop tackle. Um, I know Nikki was reporting on something that, that basically the chain gang could become backup as soon as this year where they're, they're going to use like laser technology and, and, you know, stuff that's not from the 1930s to measure a first down, which seems smart. But, uh, Heather Dinich at ESPN, uh, is reporting that college football might at least get to where the NFL has been for years now, um, decades even that the, uh, college, cause in college football, they don't have, a communication system from headset to, to helmet. Um, that's why you see the giant cards being held up and all the different ways that, that colleges call their plays in, which can be fun. It feels very college-y. Um, there's an element of personality it adds to the game that is undeniable, but it's not helping prepare guys for the pros, and it's not the best way to do things. When uh, communication at this point is not that expensive, uh, the technology has been around for decades, and a coach could be like, all right, we're in 11, we got wide right, uh, you know, blah, 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 protection, blah, 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 play, blah, 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 blah. Cool. And then the quarterback does that. And on defense, they could be like, we got zone dog, blah, 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 Okay, cool. Like, they all have headsets. They're all talking to each other. You stick a green dot on someone's helmet, put a communication device in it, and uh, let's party. And apparently that is actually coming to college football uh, as soon as this year. So, hooray. Um, cause that's something that also like rookie quarterbacks, as we think about the commanders have to get used to is you get the play call in your helmet and remembering it all and regurgitating it all. And, and the entire offense being reliant on your ability to do that compared to everybody look at the card on the sideline. Uh, that's, that's a little different. I also do think, and, uh, this is definitely at least in part in response to what happened with Michigan this year. Yeah. Sign stealing. Yeah. Hey, I know how Harbaugh's like, you know how you cannot steal the signs? 
You guys could have helmet uh, communication. I'm going to go back to the NFL now. You guys work on that. See ya. But I just feel like sign stealing was just. Everybody did it. Yeah, he just did it egregiously. He just did it stupidly. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Very stupidly. Don't buy your guy a ticket. <laughs> what are we doing? You commit crimes. Don't leave a don't leave paper trail. Yeah. Obviously. That's how we do what? what? Um, but do you think that'll – I mean, I guess hurry up offense in college will definitely be – I don't know. Like, I mean, there's it, there's ways you can do it. There's, every, there's no thing that happens in college that doesn't happen I mean, in the NFL and vice yeah. versa. Yeah, it's just how it's communicated. Dang. Um, you know, getting, getting apologies scary. to the apologies to the Kinkos in uh, every college town who prints out the signs every week. It's a lot of business for them, man. Yeah. What about the economy? <laughs> Telecommunications companies are going to take up all the money. All that money that was spent on printing giant placards with a squirrel on them so they knew what formation to be in. It's done. Sad. It's just print media is just... It's taking... It's ta- it's print taking media a, takes another hit. Another Let's go hit. audio, baby! Another Score hit. one for the guys with the microphones. All right. Um, so, got more salary cap news, Ant. Did you see the Patriots, what they did? JC, good gracious. Yeah, JC Jackson uh, going to be released by the Patriots. Not surprised. The financials, uh, it's going to get. They're actually going to push the Commanders in terms of total cap space. Um, they got eighty-three and a half uh, million, I believe. I saw was the number, um, or so. No, no, I apologize. Their cap space is going to push up towards a hundred million. Yeah, hundred three. Uh, Jackson had signed a five-year, eighty-two and a half million dollar contract in March of twenty twenty-two with the Chargers. Uh, Jackson was then traded last October back to the Patriots, who originally had acquired him. He played very well in New England, did not play very well in L.A., and did not play well enough uh, that Jackson uh, was going to be retained on that contract number in New England. Uh, releasing him creates about $13.5 million in cap spaces. The Patriots now have about $100 million in cap spaces. They start to rebuild under Gerard Mayo, and then Elliot Wolf is their new head of scouting. That all from ESPN. Other uh, cuts today. Marcus May, uh, safety from the Saints, uh, is out there as well. Uh, so he joins Cam Curl on the market. Uh, obviously, Kendall Fuller uh, is, is a free agent um, on the cornerback market. So it, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to pull up PFF's uh, PFF free agent tracker. Um, their list of, of NFL free agent rankings. Uh, their guy, Brad Spielberger. Um, out there, uh, I saw him out there. I need to just chat with him. I think. I think we just walked past each other a bunch as we're all. Everyone's always running around with chicken, like chickens with their heads cut off. Uh, in Indy, it's it's nuts. Um, but if you look at the top of this list right now, like Chris Jones, probably gonna get to free agency. I think the Chiefs will will try to um, bring him back. I just don't think that they're gonna franchise him for a second straight year. I guess they could. Um, but he's their top guy. Cousins, obviously, we'll see what he does. Kevin O'Connell earlier this week saying like he w- they want him back. He wants to be back. They just got to come to a number. T. Higgins has already been tagged. Uh, Josh Allen, the pass rusher, um, has he been? Ta- I don't think he's been tagged yet, but he probably is going. No, nah, he hasn't. Um, Brian Burns, same thing. Their their uh, GM Dan Morgan basically said like we hope it doesn't come to that, but we will tag him if we have to. Justin Matabuke uh, from Baltimore, he probably actually hits free agency. Christian Wilkins probably gets tagged down in Miami. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, obviously could get tagged as well, which would mean Mike Evans definitely heads to free agency. But then you got Jalen Johnson in um, in Chicago. Like, does he hit the market at corner? Um, maybe. Probably gets tagged by Chicago. 
Lajarius Sneed. Um, That's my I guy. Dude, if I was if I was Kansas City, I would consider tagging him. I do not let that dude out the door. At he's all. too good. <laughs> um, but you know, he signed a big one year deal. Or he let's see, twenty twenty four contract. Um, I guess they're they're they saying he could sign a a big one year deal, um, or a three year slightly smaller deal. Um, so we'll see. Uh, there, you know, your guy Michael Pittman uh, out of Indy, do they get easy franchise tag there. Daniel Hunter, uh, you know, probably not going to get tagged in Minnesota. So you got a, a pass rusher, Mike Evans. Uh, Tyron Smith, there's a potential tackle that you could bring in uh, to, to shore up a veteran offensive line uh, here. And then Kendall's, you know, the 15th best free agent on their list. Wow. So um, we'll see where they rank J.C. Jackson, um, as obviously they haven't updated it with that. But, you know, the corner class, uh, you know, J.C. Jackson, I, you do wonder, as his, his production just hasn't been as good as those first couple of years under Belichick, like, is that a guy that, winds that a team takes a flyer on do they take like a big one-year flyer on him do they try to say like no this is gonna be our guy you know it's gonna be an interesting contract for him because you know sometimes you just lose it and that dude already got paid a ton of money once um he's only 28 too though right he's 28 like he's younger than kendall but the fit seems really important um I kind of want Washington to take a swing on him, depending on what the cost is. Hey, I'm right there with you, Craig. <laughs> yeah, that's a guy that I'm I'm interested in. I you know I was listening to um, oh god, what's his name? I keep wanting to say Tom Donilon, but Tom Donilon was a former cabinet secretary in the Obama administration. The 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 commander's new uh, DBs coach. It's it's close enough that Donatel, Tom Donatel, yeah, not Tom Donilon, Donilon, cabinet secretary. Donatel, DB's coach. There you go. Only me. <laughs> Only me. Um, I was listening to Donatel on Kimes Pod earlier today, which, by the way, you'll recognize the guest for Monday's show. Hey! Uh-oh. Kime gave me the call. Uh, so, tape, taped with cakes earlier today. Uh, that pod will be out on Monday. Um, but uh, Donatel was asked about you know, kind of the guys in house and, you know, how he sees different things. And, um, you know, some of the, the, the skills that he listed uh, high on his list, um, were things that like Benjamin St. Juice wasn't exactly great at talking about like ball skills. And you're like, Oh, that's kind of in the whole thing. So I, I do wonder what they think of BSJ. I know they're going to like Forbes is upside is too high to do anything crazy with him. Um, but I do wonder if, uh, if BSJ winds up being a backup or uh, even just gets waived in training camp, um, I think that's probably too harsh. He's too good for that. Um, I don't think you can probably flip him for that much because his ball production hasn't been very high. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, he's he's an interesting one uh, in terms of what they do and you know how much money they spend. I think it will will be we'll know more based off what they spend in free agency at corner what they think of BSJ. I guess I how I would phrase that. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We are your home for Wizards basketball here on the Team 980. Heartbreaker last night in L.A. Uh, that That's the bad news. The worst news is they got to play tonight against a Sega Bob, second game of a back-to-back, against a better team in the Clippers. Can the Wiz bounce back? And uh, how much do we believe this Jordan Poole resurgence? Dave Johnson joins us to talk about it all next on the Hoffman Show. It's Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, back from Indianapolis and the NFL Scouting Combine. Uh, Wizards basketball back tonight 
on the team nine eighty second straight night heartbreaker last night overtime loss to the Lakers season high though for Jordan Poole back at it tonight in LA against the Clippers and to talk about it on a game day it's time to welcome in Dave Johnson Anthony let's hit the proper fancy introduction please time to get the radio party started Oh, that's a pool party. Yeah, the basket slam right there. Oh, dear, they're stealing the oh, slam. You better go off. Intercepted by Kispert. Kispert now. Foul line. Oh, slam. Ooh, that'll dry your preserves. It's time for Dave Johnson on a Wizards game day. Kuzma for three. Oh, it's there. It's there. Big, big shot. On the Hawkman Show. Hey, hey, you better go off. Dave is with us from LA. Uh, Dave, how we doing? Yeah, not life is good when you, you look out and you see palm trees and sunshine. Although everyone in California is apologizing uh, because it's going to rain tomorrow, uh, and I guess we just deal with rain here in California. They they apologize because I, I guess they're worried about uh, mm. their tourist uh, attraction or, or uh, uh, reputation. But yeah, we're doing well. And listen, at last night, as you said, a heartbreaker. It just shows why, as I talk to people, and people will say, well, wait, a nine-win season, it must be. It's not terrible because these guys, they really do fight every night. And and last night, God, did they want that. And and in the end, there's some guy named LeBron James on the court that still makes a difference, which is truly amazing. Um, but now tonight, another challenge against the Clippers. Yeah, for sure, and and a team bluntly in the Clippers that is better than the Lakers. Um, but the Lakers certainly it's figuring some things out here post All Star break. Also, uh, that Anthony Davis fella, I heard he was really good. Um, right, and, and he scored forty last night. Um, but I, I do think, it, and look, it feels weird to like have any kind of positive fives, and it feels like you are a propaganda apparatus if you are saying anything nice about a team that has lost thirteen straight basketball games. Right. However, Dave. Uh, the, the shot selection for Jordan Poole, and, and most importantly, the fact that he is just taking them. Forget where they are coming from. Forget how they are coming. The fact that he is taking them is something that you and I have talked about at times this year. And I've, I've asked you multiple times throughout the, re- the season, kind of as a check-in, like, how concerning is it, not that he's not scoring a lot, not that whatever, that he's just not taking shots. What's it been like to see him these last four games, especially? And last night he did make quite a few of them, a season-high 34 points. At getting back to at least the the aggressiveness level that we, I think, expected coming into this season. And, and to the best of your knowledge, what spurred that? Well, I mean, I, I think the best of knowledge, he's coming off the bench and, and being on the ball more you know, seems to be uh, the elixir, if you will. Uh, and, and that's certainly, I mean, he's, you know, he had 31 on Sunday and uh, uh, 34 last night. And, and so, you know, it, it seems to free him up. I think, you know, a, a big uh, uh, part of it, you know, the challenge uh, for him was also mentally adjusting to, okay, I'm not on the ball as much. I, 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 you know, I don't think he forgot how to play basketball. And that's why I don't think, you know, they were, nobody's giving up on him. And, you know, Michael Winger discussions and Will Dawkins, uh, you know, nobody's hiding the fact that he's had a bad year. He knows he's had a bad year. There's, there's no way to mask that. So then how do you put him in the best position to succeed and, and get that Jordan Poole that clearly exists? What he did in Golden State wasn't a fluke, and it wasn't just because, you know, he was surrounded by Steph Curry and, uh, and Clay Thompson, uh, et cetera. Did it help? Yes. I'm not saying that. Um, but he's showing, and he showed last night in a big-time stage. You know, And when I say big-time stage, 
this Lakers team is one eight of eleven, or, or whatever I, the number is. I forget it, but they're hot and they're they're getting it together, but they're still desperate. Uh, I think they're ninth place. So this was a a competitive, for lack of a better term, playoff like atmosphere last night. The Lakers absolutely did not want to lose the Wizards, and and Jordan Poole and and company still responded. And and you know to your point about you know. It, it, saying anything good about a nine-win team is—is—is is, is that a propaganda machine or or, or and it's, I've not lost my mind. I do know the difference, though. I've been <laughs> through some really bad seasons, um, and and for example, the without calling out specific teams or whatever, but there were there were times as I've done this now almost thirty years where we had bad teams and you you just didn't enjoy it because you didn't know what. You didn't have a great feeling about what the plan was. Actually, the players didn't at the times. It, it didn't seem like you know they were locked in. Um, it, 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 so this, the fact that they have lost thirteen in a row. Yes, Do, were they upset about you know? Did they want that last night? Yes, they want to win. This is this is how they made the NBA in the first place. They were winners. So this is this is totally foreign. It takes a. Uh, a real mental toughness to say, all right, we're going to do this again tonight and try to break through and know that the odds are against you. Uh, but but you know they're going to try and they're not going to give up. And it's even like the Golden State Warriors game the other night. And this is why I'm saying this is not me just uh, propagandaing or whatever. They get killed by the Warriors in the third quarter the other night. Bad third quarter. It, it, it could have been game over. The, the Warriors had their starters in with two minutes left in the game. That's not what they wanted. The, the Wizards really did come back in that fourth quarter and still kept competing. So that's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, and that's what you have to appreciate as a Wizards fan now. And this is the ride we're on because it's, it's not like next year is, is going to be, oh, that's going to be a 40-win season. You're going to have to enjoy, I know the Sixers coined it the process because uh, they've also made it clear they're not going to take shortcuts. Uh, so it's not like if there's a, a losing start to next season, oh, we're going to you know trade for free agents to try to make the playoffs next year. This is a a long term strategy. But in terms of you know, I've not been hit on the head. Well, I probably have been hit on the head too many times. But I, I told I Glenn to stop doing that. Right, but I enjoy this team because <laughs> of who they are and the type of players. Have Without. there been seasons where I had to bite my lip? Yes, I have, because they weren't enjoyable, and and that's but that's true of every you know team in sport. If you ask players that played with certain people, that you know it's like it's like people listening to this in your office. There's times that you enjoy the office dynamic, and there's times you don't. Right now, yeah, we're not we're not profitable, if you will, with wins, but I'm enjoying the office dynamic. No, I, I hear you, and um, you see these little things every night. You see Denny Garrett grab 15 boards uh, last night. You see different guys do different things, and um, you know ultimately consistency is what wins, but seeing the flashes is better than consistently uh, not seeing them, I guess. Um, Dave, I, I'm going to go totally off script. We're going to go arena talk here for a second. Um, first, just because you're in L.A. on the back to the, the L.A. back-to-back, does it feel like you're walking into a different arena playing the Clippers versus the Lakers? And by the way, this is the last time you do it this way, because this is the last time you'll see the Clippers in the artist formerly known as Staples Center. Yeah, you know what? The, the uh, <laughs> I like the way you put that. Um, 
it, it, what is amazing, it is the same building, but it's not. And they do a wonderful job of when you walk in, uh, you can feel like you are in a different building. And it's, you know, it's a different vibe. It's a different fan base. And I, I'm not saying one's better or, or it, just, it is different. And, um, and you, you appreciate that when there's two teams in, in um, uh, you know, one city. Uh, and, I, and I think that's, you know, that's the case. You could probably say, well, the, the White Sox are more the, you know, the working class where Cubs are, uh, you know, maybe middle class. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that. But I'm just saying you, you sometimes have that uh, differentiation when you have two city teams. But this is, you know, unlike that situation, this literally is the same arena. Um, but now, you know, it, it it's going to be interesting with this new arena because, I keep seeing the designs, and and and, and if people not familiar with this, this I believe it's called the Intuit Dome or something like that. Yep. Uh, but they they want to create a wall at one end, and I say a wall of stands to kind of have this soccer type feel. You know that kind of supporters, you know, rowdy section. You think Audi right. Field and uh, supporters section. So. Uh, and when you see like European basketball games, if you ever Google like Serbian, you know, oh my God, there's fire games. in the background. It's great, but also terrifying. <laughs> well, I don't think in LA, just a hunch. I don't think they're going to be allowed to light off flares in the arena. So yeah, that, fire code's a little not, different in Los Angeles versus no. uh, whatever cities yeah, are in Belgrade, Serbia. Yeah, Apologies to the little, Serbians. Yeah, right. But so that's I'm intrigued to see that. But uh, uh, but I you know when I first started calling these games that the Clippers were playing at the LA sports arena. And at the time uh, you talk about uh, that really felt strange because at the time, this is the nineties and, you know, we're, we had just built uh, at, at the time MCI center and, and new arenas are going up. And then you go to this LA sports arena and it was like, Oh, this is what the sixties were like. You know, you, you expected right. to be seeing things in black and white all night because it just, it felt like uh, such a throwback. Uh, because needless to say, the uh, stewardship of Donald Sterling, let's just say, um, was, was a strange one. Yeah, um, uh, and, you so, know, I mean, he moved the team to L.A. without getting into the other stuff he, he got into, but he moved the team to L.A. just so it could be closer to his office. So, I mean, that's kind of a, a, a strange marketing technique. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so speaking of, of new arenas, though, Dave, uh, I was, as you know, at the Combine this week in Indianapolis, and we went to the Pacers-Pelicans game Wednesday night, um, which turned out to be a great game. Tyrese Halliburton had a great fourth quarter. Um, Zion had a pretty good game. Like It was, it was a fun, like well-played NBA basketball game between two good, young, and up-and-coming teams. But Gamebridge Fieldhouse is sick. That place, that's the yeah. nicest NBA arena I've been in. Like, is that just because I haven't been to enough of the new arenas, but as someone who's travels to all of them, like, is that is that the gold standard? Well, I don't know if it's gold standard, but it, well, uh, but it, well, I think of what I've been asked about this, I always say it's one of my favorites, if, if not my favorite. It, it really isn't that new. Uh, it, it's We're talking late night. It 90s. feels new. Really? It's, it's, it yeah. feels so, so new. I mean, they did have the $16 million scoreboard they put in, which certainly didn't hurt. Well, there, there are things like that that make it new. But I think just the way it, it's, 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 it's totally designed as a basketball arena. And I think yes. uh, there was no hockey in there. There has not been hockey in there. They never it – was, it was all about basketball. Um, and, and, so, and then they tried to create, as you, you've seen it, at one end, they, they, that field – well, they called it field house – that field house, that Indiana uh, basketball type field, right. Hoosiers, I, you know, whatever I'm looking for here. So, um, 
of all the arenas, they create more of that. It's, I almost call it like a Camden Yards effect. If, if, you, if it was brick throughout the arena, uh, it just has a different texture than, than, well, just about every other arena we play in. Yeah, no, it definitely felt very different. It was very, very cool um, and a great game. Uh, yeah, it was just I was like, this is this is awesome. Um, and I was curious to talk to you about it as someone who goes to all the arenas. And, and now we did that here on the radio. So thanks. Thanks for indulging me, Dave. <laughs> no, but you you spot on. And, and it's again, it's part of as you saw the open or uh, I think they still play this or whatever. But there's you know, there is a special connection with Indiana basketball. Uh, oh sure, and, and uh, uh, you you feel that and you and you sense that, and it's not just Bobby Knight. It's 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 you know it, it's, it's the it's, high schools. It's it's I mean right. it's different than the connection that DC has, but it's like some distant cousin. Um, in that they they care about it in a way that is pure and different, and it's about the game versus about the stuff that goes with it. And um, there's a, there's a soul to it that that is cool and comes through in that that stadium and that crowd and. Um, it was cool to be there on uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, Dave, have a great call tonight. Enjoy L.A. Uh, and, until your next stop. And then I think you guys come back here, and I, m- I might even see you Wednesday night. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll have okay. your people call my people, and uh, maybe I'll see you on Wednesday. All right, great stuff. And we'll be at Utah on Monday. But, yeah, we'll be eventually home. There so you go. Eventually, eventually we'll come home. The story of the 2024 yeah. Wizards. All right, Dave. Right. See ya. See ya. That is Dave Johnson, play-by-play voice of the Washington Wizards here on the radio. Uh, free game is 10-15 tonight. If you're watching on YouTube, I made a whoopsie. Uh, tip-off is 10-30, not 10. So that means pregame is at 10-15, not 9-45, as it says on the graphic. If you're on the radio, you're like, there's graphics? Yeah, you can stream our show on YouTube. So when you dri- you're driving in your car, you get home, and uh, go, ahead, go ahead and pop on the old YouTube at Team 980 on your smart TV, and uh, we'll be there talking about sports, just like we are now. Uh, when we get back, uh, we'll wrap up the hour, and then Andrew Siciliano joins us coming up at 6 p.m. It's Hoffman Show on a Friday. Anthony, you're an hour early, but that's okay. Still got that's Siciliano. Good, yes, sir. Still got Siciliano. We got a lot in store. Uh, we got my guy Q. Are the, are the Raiders the team to watch in, in trade-up, trade-back watch uh, in the 2024 NFL Draft? All that's still coming in the 6 o'clock hour uh, here on the Hoffman Show. Team 980 always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Um, I think it's going to be – I mean, all these cap moves are coming in today. I feel like it's going to be an interesting weekend. I, I wonder if there's anything that weird – like big-time weird that happens. You know, I guess we could see the Russell Wilson uh, cut come. You could see trades happen this weekend. So uh, plenty to keep our eye on here uh all weekend long um i know russell's on sunday so if there's any big nfl news um he is on uh, cbs sports radio on sunday two to six um we've got plenty of live local programming all weekend long on 1067 the fan as well um so plenty of stuff this weekend on all of that um and also this weekend just like a couple of random this oh i guess a minute we haven't done like a weekend preview in a while we have not um but we we're gonna do one uh do one now um you got a couple like really random not random just like a couple things uh, going on this weekend that i think are worth uh worth noting uh coming up on sunday uh the u.s women's national team will play columbia um in the Concacaf w gold cup uh did you catch what happened to them earlier uh earlier in the week i did not they lost bro they got their butts kicked by USA? mexico yeah u.s lost two nothing 
Um, so they wound up finishing second in the group. They wind up uh, having a, to finish second. Uh, I think this is a good thing for my television watching because all these games have been at like 10 o'clock at night, and now I get to actually watch them on Sunday. It's an 8-15 kickoff. And Columbia, World Cup team uh, uh, a year ago, um, features Linda Caicedo, um, who is a 18, she might be 19 now, but like teenage star, like one of the best 10 players in the world. She's ridiculous. Um, scored a couple of the best goals in the World Cup. So that that's Sunday. Um, also, earlier in the day on Sunday, I think it's like a 1 p.m. tip-off, you have Caitlin Clark's final game in an Iowa uniform uh, for the regular season. Uh, you got, you got obviously, Big Ten tournament and NCAA tournament still to come. But the Caitlin Clark era of dominance in college basketball uh, is coming to a close, uh, whether we want it to or not. Uh, she announced, of course, yesterday that you got um, – uh, you, she's going to the, the WNBA draft. Um, that's a couple weeks after Paige Beckers announced she isn't. So um, be a, be an interesting next couple of weeks here. Um, so you got that. Uh, those two big stories or big games. You got the combine this weekend. You Formula One's back this weekend. Um, spring training baseball is getting going this weekend. Uh, Anthony is going to be at a million high school basketball games uh, this weekend. So there, there's there's a whole bunch of sports all weekend long. Um, Premier League soccer, I think, is on this weekend. I don't think it's a, it's an off week for that. So, like, this is one of my favorite times of year, Ant, because like we lose we lose football. That sucks. But kind of this crossover time where everything is happening, and like, especially on a weekend where like I got stuff going, but there's always going to be something on. Yes, yeah, too much going on to be honest. Uh, you got the the combine, you got um, teams in their uh, respective conference uh conferences yeah conference tournaments start like next week exactly those are going to be starting soon you got march madness on the brink you got uh, a couple of new hirings uh mike jones former damatha coach he just got hired at um at odu as their uh next head coach Mm. actually willard in general he's lost i want to say five or six or seven assistants the last two years um which is brutal because you got to replenish when you, you end up losing so some hard. assistance. But, uh, yeah, um, Mike Jones, so, yeah, he just got the the gig down at ODU. But, yeah, there's a lot going on. And then high school locally, uh, we got a whole bunch of um, D.C. Uh, we have a whole bunch of tournaments. And actually right now St. John's is leading Jackson Reed in the D.C. State semifinals. Um, so it's a, it's a lot going on. I, I, I can't witness it all, but, you know, yeah, I can. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And that's the thing is, like, you know, it's weird because you go to Indy and you feel like you miss everything else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's also what's hitting me here um, is like I was in Indy and if it didn't happen five feet in front of me, I didn't know about it. <laughs> and so, you know, you wind up going on Twitter trying to catch up, oh. all that kind of stuff. But it's just hard, except for I went to a, an NBA basketball game, of course. So there's that. Uh, I now have something stuck in my throat, <laughs> which is great. Uh, but Andrew Siciliano is going to join us next, and I'm going to I'm going to find my voice. Oh God, Anthony, go to commercial. <laughs> 